Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. Thank you again for coming back for another episode. Today, we have a special, special lady. Her name is Darylise Lyons, also known as the Transformational Storyteller. She is a journalist, an actor, an activist. She has written more than two dozen full-length books a handful of short stories, and countless articles performed in various plays and in improv comedy shows. That's fantastic. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Darylise. How are you? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Nelia. It's so great to be with you. <laughs> You're awesome. Um, thank you for coming. So today, um, she's going to be speaking with us about the importance of self-care, positive um, self-regard when the world is in pain, and when work pressures can be overwhelming. And that is the time we're living in right now. So I know that, you know, she's going to really help our listeners today. So if you're listening at home, grab something to uh, to drink, sit back, relax, and uh, just take it all in. So I'm so happy that you're here. Yeah, I'm so happy that I'm here too. And it's really strange to be talking about, I think, these issues like self-care, right, in the midst of a global pandemic. And to be talking about sort of how do we prioritize our own health and wellness when so many people, and especially in the work that I do, like so much of my work requires me to be empathetic towards others. And so I think sometimes self-care can get lost um, in that process. But I, I just think it's more critical than ever to really um, prioritize one's own health and not in a way that is like selfish or sort of like exclusionary, but that understands that, you know, to use the old adage, like if I don't put my own oxygen mask on, right, like I can't support the person next to me. I can't support anyone really if I'm not taking care of myself. I kept hearing that every time I went on to planes and I didn't understand it until just a few years ago because I was like, what do you mean? Like, how can I do that? I have to put it on my child first. I have to, you know, and honestly, it wasn't until I really sat down and thought about it that you have to do it that way because when you're empty, what can you offer somebody else? You can't, you can't help. You can't, um, there's so many things that you're limited to when you don't take care of yourself first. Well, and even if you can, because I think there might be some people who are listening who are like, but I, you know, but I always put everyone first and it's a badge of honor that I do that and it's part yeah. of my identity. But the other thing I really look at is to ask people their why. Because what I found is that often, like I'll just speak for myself, if I'm putting other people first, it's either because 
I don't believe that I'm worthy, like inherently worthy of care, or I, you know, I tend to put them first and then I get really resentful. Like, like what, well, you know, don't you know how much I'm doing for you? You know, and people are like, well, but I didn't ask you to do that. Right. So I think it's really, for me, if I want to be better equipped at loving other people and I have to practice self-love as an action and as a verb, right? Like I don't always have to feel self-love because I think sometimes that can be lofty, but I have to treat myself lovingly and kindly um, in order to like really be able to show up for my relationships without resentment or secret anger or a feeling of insecurity or a feeling that if I'm not doing for other people, then the relationship is going to end or they're going to stop loving me or whatever other stories might be operating under the surface. Yeah, I love your honesty because it's true. We start off with doing it for all the right reasons, but then sometimes we get so depleted or we're having a frustrating day and you do get resentful sometimes. So you don't hear people admit that very often. So I appreciate that. Well, human beings, I mean, we're, we're very animal in nature and we're wired for survival. And so if you are putting someone else First, like I think a natural biological response to that is to want to create space to put oneself first, right? And the way that we create emotional space is through anger and resentment. So I think it's really important for people to kind of recognize that if, if you do find that you're getting angry at everyone around you and kind of wanting to push people away and um, that there's a biological reason for that. There's a basis for that where some part of you is saying, you know what, like I'm struggling, I'm not thriving, I'm, I'm having trouble surviving. And so I think if we don't practice the very basics of self-care, it's inevitable to be resentful and angry towards the people around us or to be self-loathing or what, you know, whatever it is. But, um, but we almost like can't not feel that way. So I think hopefully um, if someone is, feeling that way towards towards the people around them they can maybe let themselves off the hook a little bit and realize like it's it's natural it's like if you starve yourself you're gonna be famished when you get home and go to eat something right like it's just it you just kind of can't not have that response yeah no for sure i love that and just to go back what you were saying about putting your the mask on yourself first sorry that's it's always such a powerful thing to me because it took me so long to figure it out is that for me, like, so I feel like we're either on one side or the other. So we have people who recognize that, you know, maybe I'm really tense or resentful or all these negative things because I haven't, you know, I need to tune in with myself mm -hmm. and take a break. And then you have the other people who have never seen it that way, who have never actually thought in those terms. You know yeah. what I mean? Like have never thought, oh, maybe this is about me and not about them, you know? So if, if it's something that you haven't been practicing up until now, or maybe this show is just, you know, this is the first time you're hearing about it. What are some of the simple things that we can do to recognize that we need, uh, we need that time out? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love that question. And I love the acknowledgement that like, we're just often not modeled how to love ourselves or how to even just treat ourselves well, like never mind self love, but like, how do you respect yourself and treat yourself the way that you would treat other people. And, and I often kind of like to advise people to think about the golden rule in reverse, right? Like, so the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
But I like to sort of ask people to think about, well, like do unto yourself as you would do unto others that you love and care about, right? And so um, it's like a question that I'll often ask is how do you show love to others? And, and people often will have like a variety of different responses to that. Like maybe someone will say, oh, I, I cook them food, you know, I cook them delicious food or um, I make time to be there with them when they're going through something difficult or, you know, oh, I'll, I'll pamper them, like I'll buy them gifts or, you know, whatever. And, and, and but people generally have a very clear response as to yes. how they show love to people that they care about. And then my follow-up question is like, well, what of those things do you do for yourself? And often someone's jaw, like when I ask that question, people's jaw kind of drops to the floor and they're like, well, oh, like I've never thought about cooking what I really want to eat. Or I've never thought about um, pampering myself with a massage or buying myself that gift or just taking time to like sit with myself with a cup of tea and like maybe meditate or ask myself what's going on inside. And, you know, so I think if, uh, if you can sort of think about, if a person can sort of think about, well, how do I show love? How do I demonstrate love? And then try to do some of those things towards themselves in their own life and try to replicate that. I find that often the way that we give is the way that we need to receive. Um, but then, you know, we're so busy sort of like giving to others and then hoping they'll give to us in the exact way that we want them to give it to us. And, and, you know, and, and that doesn't always happen. And so like, I think it's, it's useful to just give yourself a little bit of that, that love in the way that, um, that resonates with you. Yeah. I think that's a great way to start because the reason I say that is I don't think any of us would hesitate when you ask that question, what do you do for other people to show that you care? What do you do? You know, and yeah. um, I think we would, you know, if you, if you gave somebody five minutes, like you, these guys can try it right now. You know, yeah. if you get a pen and paper and for five minutes, you know, once the show is over, just write down all the things and all the ways that you're there for other people. Yeah. Or just, pause it right now, right? If you're at home. Yes, exactly. Hit the pause button and I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure that even in two minutes, you could write down at least 20 things. Like yeah. it just depends on how fast you can write, you know, <laughs> like, I don't think the ideas would be limited. Like I think they would just come. And then and if I you think were to something that you'll notice, I think something that people notice is like themes, right? And there's a, there's a book about the four love languages. Um, and I'm sort of blanking on the languages right now. Is it four or is it more than four? I think it's four. I think it's four. <laughs> yeah. But there's like acts of service and gift giving and quality time and, and touch, right? Like, so there's different ways that people sort of love. And I think what they'll find as you're writing your list is like, oh, wow, you know, 80% of the things that I wrote down tend to have to do with, um, maybe it's five because there's words of affirmation. So like, of you know, the things that I wrote down, you know, many of them have to do with telling other people how much I care about them. And so if you find that, then like maybe your way of, of practicing self-love becomes, um, you know, affirmations, like positive affirmations, right? Because that's how you show love to I others. Love and maybe if it's quality time keeps coming up for you, like how do you spend time with yourself? And maybe your thing becomes yoga or meditation or just sitting quietly for 10 minutes in the morning and like reading a book, you know? I mean, I can't, I think people are best equipped to find the answers within themselves. Um, and that, 
you know, our minds and our bodies and our spirits are so, so, so wise and they're guiding us constantly in the direction of self-love. And even if we're in a place of self-abuse, I think part of that is an invitation to look at like, well, why, you know, like, what is it that I'm not getting? What, you know, what am I starving for? Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're constantly being called to be better to ourselves and to others. I don't know if you have the same experience, but for me, if I'm craving a certain type, that's what I tend to give out. Mm. So if you're not sure what makes you feel better, look at your list. Yeah. Because you'll find that I think most of the items on there are what you want people to. You can almost write your list. And when your husband says, I don't know how to help you or your partner, <laughs> you could give them the list and say, see all these things. I think these are the things that are most important to me. Right. Yeah. What is it for you, Nelia? Like what's your uh, kind of like. I want to feel heard mm -hmm. and I want to feel validated in my own opinion. Um Honestly, whether it's you agree with it or not, I want you to try to understand it from my side. And I also just want, I don't need somebody to fix it. I just need somebody to listen and know that I've got somebody in my corner. That to me makes such a difference. You know, you don't have to say anything, but don't be indifferent with me. I hate people that are indifferent, not hate them personally, but I hate the feeling that I get when I feel that I'm sharing something with someone and I don't know what the word is. I just, I feel like it's not the way that I feel isn't important. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it makes Absolutely. me feel sad. It makes me feel alone. So yeah, I, I don't like to feel in that way. How about well, for you? And, yeah. I mean, and I would hazard a guess based on what you just said, that the times when you're struggling the most internally are times when you sort of feel indifferent to yourself, right. Or sort of like mm. deprioritize your own wants and needs there's not like to be validated right and so I think all these things it's it's interesting because it's like it doesn't really take much I think to start to excavate what we really need and want and desire but again it goes back to what you said earlier that we're really not I don't think any of us learn how to do that <laughs> like I just don't think it's modeled so dear Elise, when you were growing up, like I know for me, my parents were fabulous, you know, they were in my life and, you know, we all make mistakes and there's always things in families, but they always taught me to take care of other people, mm. but they never, ever taught me to take time for myself. It's just wasn't heard of. It wasn't something that not for anything negative, not, not for a negative reason, but just from a place of they didn't do it for themselves, right? So I grew up not really thinking it was okay to or even to talk about my feelings, because I felt that well, if you talk about yourself, you're being conceited. And that's mm -hmm. why in my trailer, I say I think it's being brave to yeah. admit things and to, to share how you feel about something. So I don't know if you had the same experience or not. Yeah, I well, so I, I didn't have the exact same experience, but I can relate in some important ways, I think. And I, so I grew up with a single mom until I was 11. And so I didn't grow up with, you know, both sets of parents, but I did notice that my mom, like my mom loved me and still to this day loves me. And now I have a sister and loves my sister like so much. And Sort of really prioritized us as a as a parent and was very giving and like cares a lot about people but didn't 
partially because I think she tends to be way more pragmatic and not as emotional, and that's just how she's wired. Um, I was never really taught either by example or directly that, you know, like, okay, it's important for you, for you meaning me, because the way that I feel and process is very different than the way that my mom feels and processes. And so I don't think she ever taught me like how to sort of cry and have a catharsis and how to just like be with myself with the feelings. There was very much emphasis on like, yeah, sure, it's okay to feel your feelings, but now what are we going to do about them? And similarly to you, Nelia, how you were speaking about how, you know, if you have a feeling, you just sort of need someone to be there with you and not necessarily fix it. That's how I am. But I think because I grew up in a household that was so pragmatic, anytime I have an emotion and still to this day, like anytime I have an emotion, my first thought is always, oh, what do I need to do about this? And and when I can just give myself the space to really feel, that really works for me. Um, so yeah, I would say that I had a lot of love in my household. I'm similar to you in that way, but not a lot of effective modeling about self-care. I had effective modeling about a lot of other things, but not how to like really prioritize myself and take care of myself. So having said that, how did you discover like what like, how did you realize that this was a thing then? Like, what what was the turning yeah. point? Well, so for me, like most lessons in life, I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> I'm not a person who just sort of like gradually eases into things. So I had a rampant eating disorder for many years. I was um, just really uh, very, very uh, severely anorexic and bulimic. And I was um, institutionalized uh, 18 times for anorexia and bulimia treatment in my life. And, um, and so I consider that to be a big blessing in many ways, because I think I was so self-destructive because I didn't know how to take care of myself that once I really realized like, okay, I can't keep living this way. I need to do like, I can't keep killing myself in increments. I need to figure out a way to live. Um, and then I just, as part of that journey, I recognized that, um, you know, there was a lot that I needed to do. I quite literally needed to learn how to feed myself um, physically and then also emotionally and spiritually and mentally. Um, and I really started to like have to, by necessity, do a lot of things to take care of myself, including therapy and meditation and yoga and journaling and all the things that when I would stop doing them, I recognized that like I would start to slide back into the eating disorder because I, I needed to kind of like have regular patterns of feeding myself emotionally in order to be able to feed myself physically. And, um, and I'm, you know, in retrospect, I'm really grateful for the eating disorder because still to this day, like I notice when I'm having um, internal struggles or when I'm starting to feel like called back to old patterns of behavior, it always has to do with the fact that I stopped really prioritizing myself and I stopped, you know, like choosing life every day in various ways for myself, right? And so I, I consider myself very, very lucky that I'm not a person who can figure out how to function in this world without meeting my own basic needs. Like I couldn't, you know, like I just, I just can't yeah. not take care of myself because it gets so catastrophic so quickly. So it's, it's like 
learning the self-love and learning to take better care of yourself, really, you could say it saved your life. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it did. And I think that's true of maybe to a lesser extent, like maybe in a less severe or less serious way. I think that's really true of everyone because I don't know anyone who is like, I mean, I think if you're going through life kind of hating yourself or, or, or not feeling like you're worthy or just so deprioritizing oneself. I mean, I just don't know, even if your life looks completely functional and okay from the outside, I just don't think that it's possible internally to feel really fully alive and connected and loved and in love with life if there isn't at least some degree of self-honoring that's happening. Yeah, and and let's be honest with ourselves, you know, like we all we all have um things that we're not proud of and we all have things that we would like to change. But, you know, if we don't love ourselves, who's going to do it? Like we cannot expect other people to take over and it's not their responsibility. And self-love doesn't mean like, I think sometimes people feel like, well, but if I love myself, I won't keep changing. You know, I won't keep evolving. I want, like, I have to, you know, I have to, whatever it is, whatever this arbitrary marker of success is. So like, I'll love myself when I get a better job or I lose 10 pounds or I get the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the partner, you know, like I love myself when I achieve this thing. But I think if we go back to the exercise that we talked about earlier, like thinking about how you would love other people, I don't think there's probably anyone listening to this who has said, well, you know, I'll love my child when <laughs> they get the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the partner, when they lose 10 pounds, when they get the job or the grade. Like, no, you love your significant other. You love your child. You love your family. You love your friends as they are. And maybe at that same time, you have the awareness like, oh, I really wish they would find someone, you know, or oh, I really wish they would take care of their bodies or whatever. But it doesn't, it's, it's never a barrier to loving themselves or to being loving towards them. And I think we should practice that same dynamic within ourselves where it's like, yeah, I love myself totally and completely, even as I am, even as I'm making this unhealthy choice, right? And then you'll start to maybe make healthier choices or I love myself totally and completely as I am. And I wish I could get over my social anxiety so I could go on those dates because love is important to me. But as you start practicing that self-love, external validation starts to mean a little less and it does become easier to take more risks and to really go for the things that a person wants in life. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you know, you were saying, when you do this, when you do that, I'll take the time when... And I think that if you take the time now, you will become more successful. You will maybe find that love of your life sooner because you're more in tune with yeah. what you want. So I think it's it's like you said, and the opposite can happen, right? You can attract all these things when you do know yourself better. And when you're able, you know, I know so many people who are unable to have lunch by themselves, like go to a restaurant order whatever that you know and sit with themselves and I find that very sad because sometimes you can be your best company because you just think life is just racing by yeah talk about like about being overwhelming and all the pressures of in today's world and everything we will never have the right time we have to make it I think we need to choose what we spend our time doing there's a very um there's a parable about a Buddhist monk 
who um, meditated for an hour every day, right? Like he meditated in the morning for an hour every day and someone asked him, you know, well, oh my gosh, well, what do you do when, when your days get busy? Like, what do you do when life is busy? And he said, oh my gosh, on those days, I have to meditate for two hours, you know? I love it. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I just think, I mean, not that I personally find two hours every day to meditate. I don't. I definitely find time to watch trash TV, you know, and, and those kinds of things, but I don't find time to meditate for two hours. Um, but I think that it's an important reminder for me to say, you know, when the busier life is, the more I need to prioritize slowing down and just being with myself or doing something, it can even be something small, but that reminds me that like I am my own home and that grounds me within myself. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think especially now in a time when the world seems to be just on fire, you know, in many ways, um, literally, actually, if you live in, <laughs> in certain places, but you know, the world just is, is really uh, can be very toxic and very harmful and, and very, like just so overcharged and oversaturated with information. Like, I think it's more important than ever for all of us to find ways that we can recharge and regenerate within ourselves that are available to us, that are within our control. Um, because otherwise I, I think we're kind of like at the mercy of our external experiences. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that it's become a need, like not, you know, it's not something that you should do to better your health. It's something we need to do to survive, I think, in today's world. And, you know, I love that the like my son's generation is more in tune, I think, than than we mm. were or than I am. Um, and I love that, you know, and we can still always move forward. But I do really think it's OK to give yourself permission and not to feel like, Oh, I'm thinking about myself too much. So I, I must be, you know, above somebody else. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Self-care has nothing to do with being conceited, with thinking only of yourself. You know, I think that the more you can practice it, the more you have to give other people. Totally. And something also that I think is like a mental workaround is if you think about if if a person who's listening to this is struggling to think about like, but like, but prioritizing me, like why, or I don't deserve it, or I'm not worth it, or I don't have the time. I think just to think about like doing it, not just for yourself, which eventually that will come that you'll start to do it just for yourself as you practice the self-love. But initially, if the reason that a person starts to practice self-love and self-care is just to model it for the people that they do love and care mm. about, like, especially, you know, I know for parents sometimes too, when I'll, I talk to parents and I'll say, you know, would you want your child to treat themselves the way that you treat yourself? Or would you want your child to move about life? Like, you know, not being able to take time to read a book or something, you know, after an exhausting work day or not taking a bubble bath or whatever, they'd be like, of course not. I want my child to take care of himself. And then I'll just remind people that, um, you know, children really pick up on what we do far more than what we say. <laughs> and true. so there's so much value. Like if you're telling your kids like, oh, you know, you got to take care of yourself, honey, or treat yourself well or whatever, like you're going to teach that per your child so much more if you just take time to go take a bubble bath for 15 minutes by yourself, you know, and model that behavior. And so I think that's really 
really important. Um, and, and also like the health outcomes, there are very real documented health benefits to stress management and stress reduction. And so I think too, if someone, you know, whether or not a person has children, it's irrelevant to why they yes. should be taking care of themselves. But I think also, you know, just to think about like, well, if I don't manage my own stress, I'm going to be less healthy overall. I'm going to maybe struggle with more um, negative health outcomes and issues. And then in that way, I'm going to require more medical care. I'm going to be less capable as I age. And, you know, and in that way, taking care of myself will, will prevent other people from really having to take care of me um, as early in my life trajectory and in as right. you know, sort of significant of ways. So I think definitely for someone who's sort of like a consummate people pleaser and puts others before themselves, that can be a mental and emotional workaround to think about like, well, if I take care of myself, other people are going to not have to take care of me or I'm modeling to the people that I love how to take care of themselves. Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's, yeah, what you said was really deep, like it's really important. You know, I I love it. And I feel like if you don't really know yourself and do that for yourself and feel that you're you're worth it, it's such a disservice too to all the people that you love. Because you're not really showing the best parts of yourself. You know, people are losing out. The world is losing out on all your capability and, and everything. And we really do need to learn how to be comfortable in our own skin. Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, if you don't really know yourself and you don't take care of yourself. And for me, um, you know, if you don't take care of yourself, I feel like it's probably because you don't really know yourself, right? Like mm. if you really knew your own magnificence and you really knew yourself as a person, like it would just be impossible not to love who you are. Um, and I really firmly believe that. I believe that all the evil that happens in this world is a result of dehumanization, um, whether it be dehumanizing others or dehumanizing ourselves. And self-love is something where like we can really start to humanize ourselves and really start to like practice a level of self-empathy and connection and kindness that can't help but radiate outward. Um, so yeah, sorry to get on my soapbox. No. I'm like, oh my God, I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we're passionate about it, right? Like you don't have to take a year off of your life and to go find yourself in the middle of, you know, Thailand or wherever, you just need to make it a habit, find 10 minutes, you know, a day and make it a habit. And then you will want to make it longer, you will enjoy it more, you will, it'll come naturally, you'll get addicted to the feeling that you get. Yes. When yes, you take that time, because you do. Sometimes it's the best part of my day. And I, you know, <laughs> When I think we're passionate about it, Nelia, as you said, because it, it, it didn't like you weren't taught this stuff. I wasn't taught it. I think it's, I think it's something that I've had to come by like through a lot of trial and error and heartbreak and, you know, and still I'm so far from perfect at this. There are days when I don't practice any self-love or self-care and those results show up in my life, mm. you know? And so, but I think I'm passionate about it for other people because, I know what it feels like to have put that oxygen mask on. And then I do, I can't help but want others to have that same experience. It's true. It's like, you don't know what it's like until you try it. So once you have that feeling and you feel that connection with who you are, 
you want everybody to feel it, right? Like, it's just like, come on, guys. I know it sounds corny, but try <laughs> it. Just try it. Because honestly, there's nothing, there's no cons to it. Like nothing will come, nothing bad. Will, it's almost like a guaranteed high. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. The worst <laughs> that happens is you feel a little better. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the worst. That <laughs> it's true. And I, I think once we get it, it is our responsibility to teach other people to do it. Yeah. yeah. We're all, we're all just human beings, you know, like we're trying to make it through our life with the best, you know, the less scars we can and the most mm-hmm. love. So would you say that self-love was the biggest gift you've ever given to yourself? So I would, but I want to be clear that for me, self-love is both an emotional experience and a behavioral experience. And I think that when I speak about self-love, like often I'm speaking about behaviors because I think those are within my capacity to do something about, right? So like just a tangible example, like for me being in recovery from an eating disorder, like if I don't really love myself and don't really want to eat in a given day, like emotionally I'm okay with that like as long as I take the behavioral steps to feed myself (laughs) three times a day you know what I mean and so I think sometimes when I talk about self-love I just always want to be really clear that I see it as a verb and also an emotion so it's sort of like you know I mean I'm sure there's somebody in your life that you love and you've wanted to like punch them in the face one day because they've just gotten on your nerves (laughs) but at the same time you haven't done that and you've like you know slowed down and listened to them or maybe brought them something from the store that you knew that they would want or whatever like you you were there for them even in the midst of something like maybe being mad or or wanting to run away or whatever it is and so I think when I talk about self-love being a gift in my life like for me when I can behave in a way that is loving and kind and respectful to myself that is the biggest gift in my life um and and often when I do that I have moments of feeling real and genuine emotional love towards myself but sometimes I don't feel that way and it's okay as long as I behave in a loving way towards myself because then I'm not creating any sort of harm and I'm creating an environment where that emotional love can show up. In your experience do you find that sometimes one of the roadblocks to somebody not getting to that um, self-love space is that they have to forgive themselves first? Yeah, I think forgiveness is huge. I think forgiveness is huge. I think just forgiveness in general, forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others. I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, have some like trauma, you know, in the past or just different dashed expectations or maybe grew up in a home where love wasn't the norm or where they were told negative messages or they were bullied at school or, you know, different things. People go through a lot of things and I can't pretend to know what that is. But I think, I think a lot of why we go into spaces of like, you know, either whether it be self-harm or just lack of self-care, I think a lot of it has to do with either not like not being reconciled within oneself and also not being reconciled within the world, like holding on to things about, you know, I wish it had been this way or I'm, you know, I didn't get that or whatever. So I think a lot of it has to do with really like accepting, accepting our, like what we've done or haven't done in the past, accepting what's been done 
to us or what people haven't done for us, accepting what we don't have that we might feel entitled to or might want. Like just, you know, I really think a huge part of the ability to move forward in a loving way is about accepting everything that happened before and like not beating yourself up. I mean, I know people who are like so mad at themselves for not being loving towards themselves that they can't love themselves now because they're mad that they didn't love themselves before. And I'm like, but you, but now is the only thing you can change. Yes. Like, you know, do it now. Like, it's okay. Like, even if you didn't do it for 50 years, like, it's okay. Like, it's to okay. me, that's like a highlight because they've recognized it. This is yeah. a good thing. You know, let's yeah. start then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. We're so hard on ourselves, aren't we? Like, we're the worst. We judge ourselves more than we judge anybody. I wouldn't judge my best friend the same way that I, you know, I put myself down or that I, yeah, I don't know why we do that as humans, really. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's also important to acknowledge that the brain seeks what's familiar. And so as a person starts to really take that journey towards self-love, like your brain and maybe even your body and your biochemistry is probably going to resist that. And so I, what I've found is that often, like as I'm moving more and more towards the space of self-love, um, I will get more self-hating, mm. right? Like as I'm trying to do healthier and more loving things for myself. I mean, it definitely came up a lot with the eating disorder. It comes up a lot when I'm coaching people or working with people like where they start to move forward in their life in really tangible ways that honor their vision and their values. And something in them is like, nope, like I'm going to, you have this identity as a person who doesn't love yourself. So I'm going to try to drag you down. And what I find is that if you can just like be consistent and just acknowledge and recognize that the, that your brain is seeking what is known and familiar. And there's going to be a time like where it's almost like you're having to drag yourself screaming towards a place of self-love. Um, if you can just recognize that and hang in the new, you'll kind of like find a new emotional set point over time uh, and, and really grow to love yourself. But I think, I think, you know, change, most of us are somewhat resistant to change. So it's not surprising to me that people struggle to love themselves after not having loved themselves or that they start to try to take action in a healthy direction. And it almost like sometimes you can feel a little worse before you feel better, or a little like more internally conflicted or something. Cause it's like, why am I doing these things? It doesn't sync with my vision of who I am as a person to take care of myself in these ways. So just like acknowledging that the change in and of itself, there's a period where it feels very fragile and precarious, or there can be a period where it feels that way. And that's okay. Like just, you know, kind of keep focusing on the behaviors. Yeah. I love that you said that because it's so important. You know, I belong to a um, self-love group and, you know, it makes me sad because I hear a lot of people saying, you know, I, I, there's nothing I can find to love about myself. Mm. There's nothing, you know, and to me, that's tragic, because without even mm. knowing the person I can list yeah. things yeah. for them. So I find it, you know, yeah, I find it sad sometimes, because we are so if we could know ourselves better, we would save ourselves so much pain, like somebody who is feeling like that, I can't imagine how much pain they're in. You know, like yeah. why, why ha feel like, you know, you've got a good start to the day. Like if you're not looking forward to things, if you don't feel like you're worth it, it's so hard mm -hmm. to, to convince somebody that, you know, you are, you are, you know.
Yeah. Well, and another, I mean, I think it's really important too to like start to surround ourselves with people or or to at least speak to the people that are currently surrounding us about really like being supportive and uplifting around the good things. Because I noticed that in um, at least in American culture, I know you're in Canada, <laughs> I'm in the US, but something that really tends to be very dominant is to connect over the negative things, to connect over our woes, over our deficiencies, right? So like you'll go to, a, I'll go to a luncheon and, and a lot of people will be like complaining about their bodies or talking about how they're not, you know, whatever good enough or they don't measure up in this way or uh, bashing their significant others, right? And like, I think that's the way that we're kind of taught to to connect. And even I, I even have to check myself because if a friend calls me and they're going through a breakup, you know, like I'll spend an hour on the phone talking to them and talking them off the ledge and, you know, like being with them. But if a friend calls me to be like, oh, I went on a great date and I'm like, awesome. And we, you know, we talk about it for 10 minutes and then the conversation is done. And it's like, so I think sometimes part of why maybe it's so easy to focus on the things that we loathe about this ourselves or the, um, areas of perceived deficiency is that like it's through focusing on that that sometimes like we find connection and we find the love that we seek so it's almost like this backward thing where not loving ourselves kind of keeps gives us the illusion that other people love us right because they're willing to talk to us about how much we hate ourselves and you know and what's wrong and broken in our lives and so I think um you know two things the more that we can love ourselves maybe the less there is that need that like sort of soul deep need to get that external love and validation but also it's really important to kind of remind ourselves and the people around us that like it's okay to celebrate together too we don't yes. just need to commiserate and commiseration is great i love it i do it but um but also like you know if if there's something awesome about yourself or about your life like who can you share that with um, and rejoice in that. Yeah, I think it's a fine line, you know, between misery loves company and really listening to somebody because you want to be there for them. Like, I think there is a difference because it tends to, if, if you're around people that only talk about the negative, it sucks you in, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, like I've also gone to coffee shops and things, but, and you hear, you know, a lot of bashing of, of, my spouse or, or this or my child did this mm -hmm. today, you know, and, and you do need to you do need to let that out. It's important to talk about those things, yeah. but not in that way. You know, let's look at some of the positive things. And I think if you're feeling that way and you feel like there's nothing that you love about yourself, ask some of the people in your life to write some yeah. of the things they like about you. Write yeah. them down and have them all give them to you and then sit with yourself for, you know, however long it takes and really look at it. And even if you don't believe it, check it again the next day and the yeah. next day and the next day. Because if you read it often enough, this is why this yeah. person, you know, what this person feels about me, yeah. you'll start believing it just the same way as if we're told we're dumb so many times, we believe that, right? Yeah. So yeah, if, if, you know, ask somebody that you trust to write down 10 things that they like about you and you may not believe it right away. And that's okay, but take the 10 minutes, take the hour and sit with it. And uh, you will start to believe those things yeah. about yourself. 
And even if there's one or two things that you can really believe about yourself that feel really true for you, that you can start to like remind yourself of and affirm within yourself. And, you know, then you'll start to maybe feel that, oh, of that list of 10 things, I used to just believe two, but now that I really, really believe those two to the depths of my being, now I can believe number three and four and five, right? And um, and I think often if, if multiple people tell you the same thing about yourself, either it's, so I want to be careful, like either there's truth to it, or if there's not truth to it, it's how you're showing up in the world. Right. And so, but it might not feel core to your being. And so then I think that's important to look at too. Like, I remember I went through a period where people said to me all the time, like, oh my God, Dara, you do so much for other people. Like, you're such a giver. You're such a giver. You're so giving. And like, honestly, Amelia, that's not how I'm, why, that's not really like me at the core, right? I think I am loving. I think I am empathetic, but I realized that I was showing up and giving, 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 because I felt such a lack. And I felt like if I didn't do that, like I, I, you know, other people wouldn't want me in their lives or they wouldn't want enough about me. And so I actually like being a giving person, I think is like a good thing. It's an asset. It's about, it's valuable, but I had to look at the fact that, Oh, actually I'm really not as giving as I'm showing up as. And what if I stop letting that be my identity? Because it's really not like Mm. how I feel. It's really, it's really coming from a place of deficiency. And I found that actually when I stopped doing that, when I stopped like apologizing for my existence in advance, right. And like (laughs) trying to just get people to like me based on what I could do for them. I recognize that like, oh, people, like I actually really like myself a whole lot better and, I, and I'm giving more, not in terms of like gifts or showing, like I always used to be the one who like brought something to the party or someone would be struggling financially and I would like give them money. You know, I just always felt like I had to do, do, do for others. And now I feel like, you know what, like actually my presence is like way more of a gift today. And I still think I and I can be giving at times, but it's not like, I don't know if anyone would list it as the top five things about me. And I'm okay with that because there's other really awesome and authentic things about me that people would say that feel more like they're coming from a place of my true authentic self and not from a place of me trying to be someone I'm not or trying to get people to love me. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. And it's funny what we project out to the world as as who we are. And when you say about the deficiencies, it's so true. It's almost like an unconscious way of of doing all the things that you need in your life, like doing all the things that you want people to. It's almost like see all the stuff I'm doing. This is what I need. This is what I need, you know? And and if you do find that one or two things that, that resonate with you, that you do believe that other people like about you, it's, you'll automatically feel differently. You'll automatically, once you start to accept that, you'll automatically see things a little bit differently. You'll automatically start to feel lighter, maybe smile a bit, and you keep practicing that. And we're all worthy of that, honestly. Yeah. And that has really like significant and proven benefits, right? So like when you smile, it helps with your brain chemistry and your dopamine and like, you know, it resets sort of like different things hormonally and emotionally and in terms of your your biochemistry. And 
you know, self-hatred, self-loathing, it, it does something to us. It's not, you can't, it's, it's not an, a neutral act, right? To be hateful towards oneself or even indifferent towards oneself. Like it actually comes with very significant health benefits, physical health benefits uh, or significant health um, uh, impacts, like negative sort of health impacts, yeah, your heart, physical, everything. mentally, yeah, emotionally, Totally. Even wrinkles, so, girl, even wrinkles, like honestly. Wrinkles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so the, and the reverse is true that the more that you can start to really like be loving towards oneself and be, and not false, like I'm not talking about overriding anyone's authentic emotions that they feel in a given moment. It's really healthy and good to feel our feelings. But if we're walking around seeing everything through a lens of I'm no good, or I can do nothing, nothing right, or that I'm broken inside, you know, if we're doing that, then um, it's really going to shift our experience as a human in this earth in some very negative ways. And the reverse is, is true. So I would just like really encourage people if, if they do start to veer down that path of self hate, you know, self loathing or lack of self care, whether it be in terms of actions or in terms of thoughts, just to like notice it in a non-judgmental way and and think about it as an opportunity to like, okay, well, what can I do right now in order to counterbalance that, in order to feel a little bit differently, in order to, you know, impact myself and others in a in a slightly uplifting and, and positive way. And and the shifts don't have to be huge, but they will have a significant, tangible, positive impact over time. If you just shift like one thing a day, right? Or, um, or a couple times a day, catch yourself kind of veering into a space of negative self-talk and just, you know, like switch the script a little bit. And it, it really will have a cumulative positive impact on your life. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for saying that, you know, and, and for giving us some examples of things that we can do um, that are, easy first steps, you know, for somebody who, and, and if you're, if you're a seasoned, you know, <laughs> self-lover, then you can also do these things, you know, it's not just for people that are starting out. Is there anything that you would like to talk about that we haven't touched on today? Yeah, so there is something. So I'm, um, you know, I created something called the Demystifying Diversity Podcast. And I also wrote a book um, about demystifying diversity, embracing our shared humanity. And I'm sharing that because one thing that I find is I believe that empathy, like any other sort of muscle and just emotions in general are sort of like muscles that the more that we strengthen them and strengthen our capacity um, to utilize these various emotions, I think just the stronger and the kind of more robust we become as humans. And so I think that really I see my work in the world as partially to help people and support people in increasing their capacity for empathy. And I think we can practice empathy towards others, but also really practice empathy towards ourselves um, and really sort of get good at and get um, sort of used to like taking the time to to be there with ourselves. I'm going to bring it back to Nelia, what you said earlier in the conversation about like wanting someone to just be there with you and kind of validate you and let you know that they hear you and they care. Like we, the more that we can practice these skills with others and with ourselves, I just think the better off we'll be, but, but the better off the world will be um, and the less destructive and the more uplifting and the, and the safer it'll be for all of us. So I really just encourage people to practice 
self-empathy and then to extend that empathy out into the world. Yes, thank you so much. I'm going to tune in definitely to your podcast. So again, it's called the Demystifying Diversity Podcast. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. That's phenomenal. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And if anyone wants to sort of connect with me personally or follow on social media or or has a follow-up question, I always love um, for people to reach out. So um, my website is daraleeslyons.com and all my links to like social media and all those things are in there and people can send messages through that or or through uh, demystifyingdiversitypodcast.com. There's also links to, you know, ways to contact me through there because I I really do believe that um, it's it's just so important. And if someone takes that risk and that brave step of reaching out, I promise to get back to them. Oh, that's wonderful. And it is brave, you know. So if you guys need to reach out to Darylise, reach out to me. And, you know, one step at a time, right? Baby steps. You'll If you take things too quickly, sometimes they backfire. So make this make the list make you know take take 10 minutes even if the 10 minutes is like i don't know what i'm supposed to do i don't know what i'm supposed to do you've taken you know you've consciously made the effort right yeah oh i love that i love that you brought it back to a tangible thing that people can can do because i think that's so important the more we just really focus on like those steps right that it's that's where we end up in an entirely different destination, I think, than the one that we would have ended up in had we not <laughs> taken those those tangible steps. So yeah, I really appreciate that. And I'm so glad that you started to discover that with yourself too. All you know, because now that you know you're in that place, look at all the beautiful things you can teach others. So I appreciate that all the you know help that you're giving out there and all the mm-hmm. lives that you're really changing because self hate is huge. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's like, I mean, I really believe that if left unchecked, that is still, you know, my default position, right? And so it's not for me, it's like never a destination. And I certainly don't want to come across in that way that like, oh, great, I hated myself. And now I love myself. It's like, no, you know, I hated myself. And now I practice self-love, but I'm still more than capable of hating myself again, you know, and I (laughs) still have those moments. We're all that way. (laughs) And I, and I'm grateful for that because honestly, I am like, I I mean, I'm hardworking, but I'm also very fundamentally lazy in many ways. And so like, you know, if I didn't have those moments of like self-hatred or didn't have those moments of wanting to slip into old patterns of behavior, like I don't know that I would practice self-love. I don't, I don't know that I would have that motivation to do that consistently. And so for me, I like, I do it consistently because it helps me feel better, but I also do it because I don't want to feel again, the way that I felt for many, many years. Yeah. It's definitely a pro, you know, a process. It's definitely something for the rest of your life. It's not just, you know, you learn it, you cure it and then it's move on. (laughs) It's like anything, you know, you have to work at it and you have to be, You have to be mindful of it. So yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed having you on today. And yeah, thanks for sharing, you know, your all your insights and your examples. Um, I know that you're really going to help some people. And I hope that people do make a list because, you know, it's just it's such an easy, tangible way, but such an effective way to see how you treat others compared to how you treat yourself. Start with that, you know. 
Thank you so much again for having me. No, absolutely. Anytime. You've got an open invitation. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.